Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today I am interviewing my friend, Billy J. Miller. She is a photographer, author, speaker, and writer, and someone I would consider to be one of the inspirations behind the Rural Woman Podcast. I'd started following Billy on Instagram prior to attending the Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference last year, where I met her in person and purchased her two books, Farmwives in Profile and Farmwives 2. These books have helped me so much in finding my way in agriculture and finding out what the heck even a farm wife was supposed to do. And Billy chats with us today about the process of finding her own way in agriculture, as well as shares inspiring stories from these women she has interviewed for her books. We talk about what it looks like being a farm wife today versus the generations before us. Before we get to Billy's episode, I'd like to talk to you guys about the Wild Rose Farmer community. As you may know, I am known as Wild Rose Farmer over on Instagram, and I have developed such a love for people that I have met who have shared their stories with me, and I just want to stay connected with all of you. So I have a link over on wildrosefarmer.com asking you to join the community. There you'll be able to stay up to date with anything that's happening on the Rural Woman podcast, on the blog, as well as any new apparel added over at Shop Wild Rose Farmer. As well, there is a special coupon code for you that will be sent to save some money off of your next purchase at Shop Wild Rose Farmer. I will throw a link up in the show notes so you'll be able to find it and join the community. And without further ado, here's Billy. Good morning, Billy. How are you? I am awesome. How are you, Caitlin? I am doing so good. Thank you for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I have met Billy in person. She is my first guest that I've actually met in person, seen her face up front. So I am, <laughs> I'm just excited to be talking to you today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you too. For my listeners who are not familiar with Billy J. Miller, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Sure. I am married to a farmer. So we live two and a half hours east of Edmonton, Alberta, very near the border of Alberta and Saskatchewan. He is a fourth generation farmer who I've been living here with him now since 2010. So, and professionally, I am an author, I'm a photographer, and I'm now a speaker. And that's what I do for my business. And I met Billy actually through one of her speaking engagements went to the Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference last year. And Billy had her table set up in the foyer. And I awkwardly went up to Billy after following her on Instagram and saying, hi, uh, I follow you on Instagram. And <laughs> so started our friendship from there. And so not awkward. I was, I was that you did that. That was awesome. Oh, good. Well, mm. uh, let's talk about what you were at the conference speaking about. 
Sure, sounds great. I was really excited to have that opportunity, actually. The February prior to that, so the month prior to that, I had done my first, I would say, large speech in front of a my hometown crowd, actually, in my hometown of Lloydminster. And Advancing Women in Ag happened a month later. So this was, I would say, my second kind of larger speech in front of a fairly large crowd. And I was nervous as heck. So when I had you know, people coming up to me saying, hi, I believe you are in the foyer like you did. I was, it was like a breath of fresh air. It made me feel super comfortable for something I was kind of going to be a little bit nervous about. But um, I was speaking about my labor of love. Uh, it was a two book series that I've published the first one in 2016. The second one, two years following that. And uh, I was up on the stage at Advancing Women in Egg talking about that on the panel. Yeah, just about my journey to get there, talking about the books, talking about what they've meant to me, publishing them, how they've kind of taken on a life of their own. And just the really amazing journey, I guess you could say, that I got to take part in from, you know, coming from the city to marrying a fourth generation farmer, becoming a farm wife, a mom to two beautiful little girls, and now an author. So that's what I was about. And you did an excellent job and you moved the room to tears. Thank you so much. And myself to tears. <laughs> <laughs> it was tears all around for everyone. It was beautiful. There was. Yeah, thank you. Billy, tell us a little bit more about the Farm Wife's book and the Farm Wife's book project that you've been working on. You betcha. Um, you know, it's funny. The books launched in 2000. The first book launched in 2016. And I do not tire talking about these ladies. Like I've talked to a lot of other off authors and they tell me how, you know, once you start speaking about them, you kind of get tired of feeling like you're a recorder. And I mean, you do in the sense that you're telling the story over and over, but I'm so in love with this place that I now live and so in love with the books, you know, the project, and especially so in love with the people that I wrote about. The book, the first book, Farm Wives in Profile, 17 Women, 17 Candid Questions About Their Lives, Photos and Recipes. Go a little bit back um, before I married my husband. I had been living in the city. I had came from Edmonton. Prior to meeting him, I worked for the government, an office job. I had a great career with the provincial government. I really did love my job, loved what I did, loved my group of friends, loved life in the city, and was pretty sure that it was going to continue that way for a long time until the summer of 2009. And so I'll fast forward, you know, to met the farm of her dreams, similar to you, Caitlin. You know about that. Yes. And uh, I ended up finding myself landed on this really, really beautiful, at the time, 100-year-old farm in the Canadian prairies. And so I did not come from a farm. I didn't come from a farming background. I didn't come from, you know, the tradition and the deep roots that I found. And so it really, really touched me. And, you know, you don't go, you don't change your life so drastically, I guess, without kind of going through some bumps and that kind of thing. And I definitely did. But but the overriding feeling and the overriding sensation, I guess, was just, you know, a real love. And after I had my first daughter, you start a life with Dean down here, I took a government job at the nearest town. And um, after I had my first daughter, I decided not to return to that job for, you know, a plethora of reasons, but wanted to stay at home, kind of be at home with my daughter. And uh, I decided starting a business on my own was going to be a better fit than going, you know, back and forth to town working full time. So I started a photography business. And 
this is what kind of led to the first book, the first farm wives. And I started photographing farm families in my community. And I just, you know, my niche was definitely that my niche, I was taking photos of families and all of that. But more so I was taking pictures of people working in the fields, people, I would follow the farm women taking meals out to the fields, I'd follow For example, my 90 plus year old farmer who had just finished his 73rd harvest, I followed him three days and just took candid photos of them. I said, don't pay attention to me being here. I just want to photograph what you do. And I would end up getting them photo books made up, that kind of thing. Just honoring the permanence of their family. You know, I thought it was a really beautiful thing to capture. And in doing that, I became enamored with the women. My husband came from a family of four boys. He's the oldest of four boys, and he was raised by a father and a mother, a traditional farm wife through and through. She, everything you read about in that first book that I wrote, you know, the women holding their families up, holding their farms up, that is my mother-in-law too. And uh, these women I found were just absolutely remarkable. You know, I think it takes a very special woman to fill that role of that traditional farm wife to very often single-handedly care for the kids, haul meals, you know, take care of all the washing, take care of all the house, take care of these huge giant yards. And we all know now, like those of us living on farms, they're not small city plots of land that you have to cut grass for, you know. And I remember saying to my husband, I would say, you know, I feel like if these women weren't here, these farms wouldn't be operating, you know, like I just, I really, really felt like they were unbelievable. And I wanted to do something to honor that. So with my daughter being young, I was photographing families and I started writing for freelance, uh, started writing freelance for newspapers also, and started kind of capturing some of these stories. And I put them all together. And I decided I was going to write a book to honor these women. And so that was my first book, Farm Wives in Profile, 17 Women, 17 Candid Questions About Their Lives, Photos and Recipes. The stories of these women in my community, I kind of plucked women out who were between 55 and 90, talked to them about their lives on their farms, what was the best part, what was the hardest part. The first of the Farm Wives books is one of my favorite books of all time. It has taught me so many things about the history and the story behind farming and how these families came to be. And it is very beautifully written and I just love it so much. I agree. Thank you so much. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with you. And I think, yeah, I think what you're doing now is just brilliant, you know, bringing these kind of voices to life. You know, some people are readers, some people are not so much readers. They would like to sit, you know, and listen to a podcast or whatever. And I think just the prevalence of these stories coming out is just, it does the exact same thing for me, Caitlin. It just, it makes me so proud to now live this life. I just love it. And tell us about your second book. It's kind of like the next generation of farm wives. Yeah. Um, farm wives too. As I said, as I, as I chose the women for my first book, they were all from my community. That's another kind of aspect of it. They were really all from my community. So they're all from the rural Lloydminster kind of vermilion, Paradise Valley, Kitscotty area, East Central Alberta, okay? One was from Saskatchewan, but they were all from our community, right? So I know going into it, truthfully, I kind of thought, you know, if I could get it into a couple places, it's a self-published project. Um, It is available, you know, widely, like online or online bookstores and stuff, Amazon and that. But as you know, we don't have, you know, big chapters, bookstores in a lot of our smaller communities, right? So 
I thought, you know, I'm going to maybe have it at a couple of the gas stations or, you know, maybe the UFA will carry it. And, and I really didn't expect it to go much further than that, but I was perfectly fine with that. You know, I thought if it's, if it's in all my neighbor's houses, if these beautiful, amazing women see their lives in print and give it to their daughters, get their grandchildren in, you know, I was just absolutely perfectly happy with that. But as you know, it kind of took a life of its own rather quickly. I had gotten really, really lucky and I got some nice media interviews the first week that it came out. I mean, just absolutely unbelievable interest in this project. Absolutely proving my point of women are remarkable. And I was not the only one that wanted to hear their stories. I think that, you know, radio stations and TV newspapers all over the country and that would not have written stories about them if it wasn't true that they deserve every honor and every opportunity to be held up to their communities for what they do. I feel like I'm so passionate about that, as you could tell, I could go on and on about it. But specifically in that first book, I did only interview women between 55 and 90 with the idea in the back of my head that there would always have to be a, I knew there would have to be a second book covering people perhaps like me, younger generations. Maybe there were women like me coming from the city to the farms, you know, how are farms operated today? Are there anything that concerns women today? When you look at these traditional roles that the women used to fill, everybody knows that roles of women are changing. And, uh, you know, how does that happen? You know, how is that occurring on the farms? How, do, how does farming look now for women in particular? And that's kind of what I've to cover. So two years later, I sped up. Um, I, I've had two daughters. In the time that I wrote my first book, I actually had two girls, Madeline and Kate, who are now five and seven. I was busy, so I wasn't working full time. But since that first book had come out the second book I managed to get done in two years and so what I did for this one is thanks to the wonders of the web enabling us to talk like this and do this podcast right now I was able to spread out and broaden my perspective for farm wives too and so I took the next two years and I interviewed over 20 more women and these women range in age from their 20s to 50s um, quite a broad range but still you know younger perspectives and uh, different, you know, conversations to kind of come about. And this is what I wanted to happen. for. So the same premise, it's interviews, it's photographs of them, and it is handwritten recipes as well. Um, talking about, you know, only this time you've got, let's say, a beef farmer from PEI. So you've got um, PEI lobster, Sunday lobster dinner recipes and stuff like that, which I think is such, such a fascinating kind of aspect for people to read now. So yeah, I'm really proud of the second book also. Some of the questions that you ask in the second book address the stigma of being a farm wife. I know yeah. there are people that are my age uh, working on their family farms that do not appreciate being called a farm wife. You know, it's that's why I've loved this process so, so much. And I really love and appreciate the opportunity to because that is something that I found, you know, you could be standing at a book market with, you know, these two books, Farm Wives and Farm Wives 2. And it happened when I was advancing Women in Ag last week, not speaking this year, but I, I went to have a book table again. You know, a woman had come up to me and said, you know, there are a lot of women who don't appreciate that term, you know, and kind of just continued walking. No stop, 
know, hey, what are your books about? No, you know, and I've kind of had to learn to kind of brush that off. And like I said, people are very kind and it hasn't happened often. But every now and then you will get that person absolutely no idea what the project was about and, you know, who will kind of look at it as a disservice, what I've done with these books. And it makes me sad in the sense that I very much agree that a lot of women do not agree and view themselves as farm wives. And uh, I'm certainly not calling anyone in this book a farm wife who doesn't want to be called a farm wife. Um, they all agree to be in the book on their own volition. And that is, but that is exactly something that I had to do on in the second book was very first question. I believe I asked was what are your views on the term farm wife? And do you consider yourself to be one? And yeah, I'd say probably half of them said no. And, um, which I fully expected and I have absolutely no problem with, but I'm really, really happy. They still agreed to be in the book because I think that was kind of the point I tell people that I, I had two basic underlying reasons why a second book had to come into the world. And one is that there seemed to be this kind of, as I did the first book, there seemed to be this opinion that I would sometimes hear from, you know, older generations in general. And they will say, oh, there are no real farm wives anymore. They don't do it the way we used to. And uh, they all want to have jobs now. Or, you know, every now and then you'll hear someone who kind of a bit of a derogatory term about that. And uh, I kind of, I guess you could say, I, I know specifically there are women, as you know, as well as I in this book who turn that stereotype on its head, who are unbelievably traditional still, who are remarkable in how they you know, carry their families through their busy weeks and months and busy seasons on the, you know, they still do tons of those traditional roles still, and they absolutely love it. And some of these women are ex extremely close friends of mine. And I love that about them, you know, and I love watching their children, how they, you know, rely on their mom and how their mom provides that cozy, warm home that these kids are going to have lifetime memories of, you know. So that was reason number one. I wanted to show that actually there are still women who are doing the job just as 40 years ago did. But on the other side of that, you're correct. There are women who don't want the traditional role of farm wife. And you know what? I didn't want the role of farm wife. I'm doing, uh, yes, I married a fourth generation farmer and I love him dearly and I love our life. But that isn't to say that just because you marry a farmer, you have to only work on the farm. You know, Dean doesn't write books and take photographs of our neighbors and nor would I make him. Right. So, you know, every family kind of figures out their way to do things. Billy, I think you did a great job in the second book explaining that there might be some differences between generations of farm wives and you might not like being called a farm wife but I think it is really a badge of honor given to us from the generations before and I don't think being called a farm wife is necessarily the worst thing you can be called. That's right and that was kind of, you know if there's going to be a goal out of it I would say that would be it is that um you know, first, if anyone does look at, you know, a series of books called Farm Wives, please don't look at derogatorily, you know, figure out kind of what my purpose is first. And that is my goal and hope is to show that, you know, I think because of the hard work that these women have done before us in generations past, I don't think we need anyone to define us anymore. 
we get to define who we are. You know, and just as there are people who say, don't call me a farm wife, I'm a farmer. I want people to be able to define themselves and figure out what it is in this world is going to make them happy. That's what I've done. And, you know, just like me, I actually don't consider myself. My husband, he was born a farmer. He was always meant to be a farmer. And yes, if you marry a fourth generation farmer or fifth or third or second, Clearly, and if you're living full-time on a farm, yes, it does define our lives to a certain extent. But having said that, I've still been careful. And the best way I can say it is just it it celebrates every different kind of woman on every different kind of farm. And I'm super proud of that. You have hit the nail on the head perfectly. Thank you. I, I couldn't agree more that we get to define what it means to us to be a farm wife or a farmer as we wade through this life in agriculture. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I think the point is that, yeah, we have to title ourselves, right? No one has the right to do that or to say what someone else is. Like, I, I always kind of find it funny that, you know, when someone said to like, in which I think was a brilliant way to put it, she says, I don't like to be defined by what my husband does for a living. So that's why she doesn't feel comfortable with the term farm wife. And I get that. You know, there is that side of my brain that completely understands that, right? On the hand, I completely don't, I'm not insulted being called a farm wife. And I do feel I am one. In my case, it's because I feel like when you are married to a farmer, you know, it's very all-encompassing so many times of the year, isn't it? You know that. Um, anyone out there, I think, will know that. It really does. Uh, you know, we live on his family's original homestead. We live in his grandparents' old house that was built in the 60s. Farms with his dad still every day and his one brother. You know, like, you know, if I didn't decide to follow my journey or my road of, you know, starting a business and running now a successful business on our farm as a writer and as a photographer, I would probably consider myself a farmer because I would be doing more things outside, you know, with, you know, during the busy seasons and all of that. But I've cho chosen my route, right? And I started my own business and that's just how it works for me and how it works for anyone else. I mean, I'm happy for them, right? So... Well, and I'm happy that this is working for you because you were able to share all of these beautiful stories with us. So I thank you for that. Oh, thank you very much. So Bailey, what are some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned from these women in your books that you've interviewed? <sighs> so many to choose from, right? <laughs> okay, for that first book in particular, I want to go back to them. So these women are from my community. And, uh, you know, they were the first women I met when I came here. They would be the women bringing the baking and to the community hall. Here we have, like, like uh, all over the prairies, you know how we're peppered with these little community halls. Some are operational still. Ours were lucky. It's barely hanging on by a thread, but it is still there. And, you know, we'd have showers there when community women are having babies or getting married or whatever. And we had our shower there, you know, given this awesome wedding shower there. And, you know, these women were the ones coming, you know, there and bringing the, making sure there was baking, more baking than anybody could ever need. And, you know, bringing the gifts and everything. And I just remember the opportunity to sit at their kitchen tables and talk to them about these things, I feel like was a gift I will always cherish and I'm just so lucky to have been able to sit and talk with these women about things that I'm going to be completely honest with you 
they may have thought about in the back of their heads over the years, but they've really never had the opportunity in many cases to sit down and think like, what was the best part? Like so many of their years were hard, you know, so many of the seasons the the, you know, the year, the years their kids were young, for example, I'd asked a lot of them and many of them said, you know, the years while the kids were young, you know, and dad's in the field all the time and you don't really have help. And, you know, you're still trying to keep this farm going and, you know, that have the opportunity to sit there and one kind of commiserate with, it kind of made me feel validated because I was going through much of the same stuff, you know, and they'd look at me and they'd say, you know, one kind of grabbed my hand and she goes, it, it, it does end, you know, the kids, it gets easier. I promise you it gets easier. And I remember, you know, there were moments my eyes would kind of tear up because you're so exhausted, you know, when your kids were young and sometimes you have an endless harvest and you feel like you never see your husband unless you go ride in the combine with them and kids you're trying to keep fed and, you know, they, they all went through it and they kind of looked at you with their wise eyes and their you know their hearts and saying you know it does get easier I promise but you know for them to be able to share their knowledge with me many of it many of the gems are in the book but I'm going to be honest with you a lot of them aren't because a lot of them kind of shared with me things like you know don't don't put this in the book but (laughs) you know and a side of it too that not everyone else is these women were all my friends and they're all my neighbors and they are all neighbors right so when I asked them a lot of the hard stuff I think a lot of them were pretty cognizant of like oh I can't say that you know a lot of them gave me really wonderful nuggets of knowledge that I'll carry with me always but Um, I think the biggest thing is for them to be able to, I think I wrote it somewhere where they have a combined years of marriage for 700 years between them. So think about that. And one of the questions I asked them in the book was, you know, what is your advice for keeping a marriage strong today? To be able to draw on that kind of knowledge, like is absolutely huge. So I I mean, the whole experience is a gift for me. And the fact that these women are all still my friends is a gift to me. And this gets to be where I live. It's, It's that. I think these stories are a valuable tool for somebody like myself who didn't grow up in agriculture and being able to draw from them for inspiration and honestly, just the reassurance that knowing everything is going to be okay eventually. Yeah, that's right. So that leads me into my next question. You and I were in similar situations of not being from an agriculture background and somehow one way or another falling in love with a farmer. Yeah. Who knew they could be so charming. Uh, (laughs) I know. (laughs) What is your best piece of advice to share with a woman who is entering the world of agriculture, either as a job or through marriage? Um, What's your best piece of advice to give them? I think, yeah, whether you're coming out of ag school and you've got your ag business degree or whether whatever it is, keep yourself open to the unbelievable gifts received by being in this community. Um, If there's one thing I've learned too, you know my story of where I came from and how you know, from a childhood and a life perspective, it was very, very different than coming into this community. I think one thing I've been able to offer is I've been able to bring perspective to just one, but to this farming community I now live. And I've been able to look at it with such kind of love and 
admiration in my eyes that I think, you know, it's something I've been able to give this community is renewing their love for it, for where they've come from. I know Dean always says, my husband always says to me, he goes, you know, we had no pictures of our farm until you came around. We had no pictures of us farming or doing anything, you know, real memory books of the farming operations and that until I came around or whatever. And coming from my childhood and background, I speak about it now and I do various speaking events throughout the year, but um, was very different. And, you know, I came from multiple parental divorces that I had to kind of figure my way through as a child at various stages of my life, almost non-ending. And um, there was a lot of feeling like you were alone there as a child. And there was a lot of heartbreak, I guess you could say, right? So when I got to the point in my life where I met this man and uh, he was awesome and decided to go for it and we got married and I, you know, somehow had the strength to change my life pretty dramatically. I knew I wanted it to be it, right? And so I was going to treat it in such a way, this is, I want this to be for life for me. I don't want to put my kids through things that I've had to go through in my life. So having said that, specifically, to go back to your question, I think it's important to look at all the gifts we have around, draw from the unbelievable strength that is in this community and in the people around us. You know, there are so many different kinds of careers that you could kind of mold. You could mold a career almost out of whatever you want. And like, it's amazing though, isn't it? Like, look at you now do going from where you came from to what you're doing now, you're podcasting, you're farming, you're you know, you're doing some right, like you just, you do a lot of really amazing things too, I think. And I've drawn from my passions, right? And I think it's important if whatever you, whichever role you choose to take in terms of your profession and agriculture, if you could draw from your passions, I think that's really a good start. Um, work hard and just look up to the people around you because there's absolutely no shortage of people we can learn from out here. It's such an amazing life. It's it's hard. You know, there's going to be all of these different things. There's so many different things that are going to happen to us that are out of our control. But there's a real camaraderie in that too, right? Yeah. Just have fun with it. It's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I, I feel like I didn't go on too far. <laughs> nope. That's how you end it. It's awesome. That's all you it, have It's to say. awesome. <laughs> it is. Oh, so what are the future plans for you, Billy J. Miller? so many so many you know this summer I want to watch the grass grow a little bit I want to have fun with my kids to sneak some fishing in but you know I work all the time because I truly absolutely love it there will be more books I know that the next one I want to start working on is going to be a farm kids book because oh my gosh think about the stories I want to talk to kids around the country about being, you know, raised on a farm. What were some of the best parts for them? What was some of the hardest parts for them? You know, what would you like parents to know? You know, what kind of pressures do they face now? If it's their fifth or sixth generation child on a farm, what kind of pressure is that to know, you know, to keep keep the farm going? And if I just think there are a lot of really cool stories out there that I'd like to capture from that perspective too. It's going to be something I continue kind of working on. I have no deadline for that yet. I have no published date. I, It's just in the works, you know. Something I've started is uh, a year ago now, 
is an online blog series called The Women Among Us. And so far, it is just an online project. It's a blog, thewomenamongus.com. I've got, you know, nearing 20 more stories on there now of just women from every different walk of life. You know, they don't have to be just farm women now. They don't have to just be in agriculture. There are women all over the place. Um, as we move along our day-to-day life, you know, there are just women you meet. There are women you come across on the news. There are people that absolutely amaze me. So many people have said to me, you know, coming from where you came from, how have you ended up where you are? And, you know, there are so many more people who have harder stories out there, you know, and it's a really powerful thing when you can read or when you can hear a woman tell her story about something she's endured, something she's gone through, and you can see them come out of that. I think that that's incredibly powerful. I know I have drawn so much strength from so many people around me on that front. And I just kind of want to keep that going. And so the women among us is that it's um, women. I've come across stories about them in the newspaper and I've reached out or I've read their book and I've reached out or, you know, and I ask them all interview questions and they kind of bear their heart and they don't have to all have a deep, dark, terrible story. I've got one woman on there who I'm greedy and lucky. She happens to be one of my best friends of 30 years, but she's the CEO of Rocky Mountain Soap Company. And, you know, how do you do it all? She's got three amazing kids. They have a busy, busy life. It's a stores all over the place popping up. How does she do that? You know, how do you get balance in your life? How do you, you know, but they just, you look at them and they always just seem to be doing it right. They've got great kids. They, you know, how do you do that? How do you balance a busy, busy career? And, you know, I talk to women like that. I talk to women. So it's just, you know, it's an uplifting and inspiring place to go to on the web. And that's kind of what I wanted. That will most likely become a book, but I know right now I'm focusing on it as a blog series. And then, of course, speaking, um, I've done nine events this past year, and um, it started, you know, with a hometown inspiring women's conference here where I was able to tell my story. And I was super honored to be able to do that. And it's grown since, right? So I just, uh, I'm happy to get out there and get the stories of these women out there, sell my books, get the stories of them out there, and just to tell my story and to connect with people. I love doing it. So uh, we'll just see what else comes. <laughs> uh, only big things for Billy Miller, I think. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you over this last year. And thank you so oh. much for taking the time to talk to me today. And then thank you so much for what you do as well. Where can the listeners be in contact with you after the show? Yeah, I would love for people hop online, go to billyjmiller.com. And you could find all the links to my social media on there. I'm pretty active on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. I love connecting with anyone and everyone who wants to share their story. And like I said, links to buy my books on there as well. So I appreciate any support out there. You can find all links to Billy J. Miller over at wildrosefarmer.com in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much, Billy. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. 
You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,